the grudge, the unforgiveness, the holding on to somebody who we perceive has done something wrong to us. We are a nation, a generation of offended and hurt people. Everybody is mad about something. Everybody's been done wrong by somebody. Instead of learning how to move on from it, we hold on to it. Last week we kind of gave what I like to call a foundational message in this series. We talked about how to overcome those smaller offenses. What many times are what I like to call the made-up offenses. We perceive it in our head that somebody has done something to us when they really weren't even talking about us to begin with. It's almost like we're looking to be offended. And I've learned in this life, you'll always find what it is you're looking for. If you want to be offended, you will be offended. Next week, I'm going to talk about a subject that I've never talked about. I don't really know why I've never talked about it. I actually kind of find it shocking that I've never talked about it. But we're actually going to talk about forgiving God. Now, technically, God's perfect and God's never done us wrong, so there's nothing to forgive God for. But so many of us think God has done us wrong. We're angry with God. We're bitter with God. If God's a loving God, why would he let this happen? So we're going to talk about that, how we reconcile with God. So many people are holding a grudge against God. Let me educate you real quick. Let me sum up that message for you in one sentence. You'll never win holding a grudge against God. The last week of the series, we're going to talk about something that I think I've taught only once before. We're going to talk about how to forgive yourself. That's a hard one. Last week, kind of hard. It's really just a mindset change. Quit making up scenarios in my head. This week, we're going to talk about how to forgive people that have actually hurt us. That one's a little bit harder. But it's achievable. I think next week is going to be pretty achievable because you're going to realize God's never done you wrong. But that last week, forgiving myself for the hurt I've caused others. Man, it's funny how we believe God can forgive other people. We actually believe God can forgive us. But we struggle so much with forgiving our own selves. We can't get past the past. But that's in a few weeks. And today is a heavy one. It's a heavy one. Like I said, last week, the small offenses that most of the time aren't even about us. And when they are about us, they're really not about us. They're more a reflection of the person who's done the small offense to us. But I want to talk today about what do you do when someone legit hurts you? What do you do when someone legit hurts someone you love? It's going to be painful because it's going to bring up memories. Instantly already your mind is going back to the hurt from your past. The person who hurt you, where you were how they hurt you, how it made you feel, and here it is years later for some of you, and the pain's all back again. They're not thinking about you. They've moved on from the hurt they've caused you, but you continue to allow it over and over and over. It's difficult to move past forgiving people. But if you don't hear anything else I say today, let me make this clear to you. The greatest gift you can give yourself 
is the gift of forgiving someone who has done you wrong. It's the worst pain in all the world. It's literally like carrying a ball and chain around your leg everywhere you go. The Bible says this. I love this story in Luke chapter 7, 17. Jesus says to the disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Very encouraging. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, I hate this one. Forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Check out the apostles' answer to this. The apostles said, increase our faith. It's funny. I preached on those first four first four verses many times. And for whatever reason, I've never got down to verse 5. I've read the story, probably I say safe to say a thousand times in my life. And for whatever reason, this week, verse 5 just made me chuckle in my office. (laughs) Okay. Better increase our faith. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's helping them understand. And he says, can you go back to verse uh, 1, Xander? I don't know if that's possible. Look what he says. Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. What he's saying to his disciples are, in this life, you're going to be hurt by the actions of others. You can't avoid it. There are people in life who will hurt you. Sometimes they hurt, they hurt you intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, but nevertheless, they hurt you. And the reason the hurt hurts so much is so many times the person who hurts us is a person who's close to us. You got to be real close to a person to stab a knife in their back. The person that we trusted the person that we were felt safe with, the person that we were comfortable with, the person that we thought would never do that to us, guess what? Those people are human, and they do things that hurt us. He's saying in this life, man, you're going to be disappointed. In this life, you're going to be betrayed by someone close to you. He says, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. I don't know how you get it any more simple. People are like, I don't understand the Bible. It's complicated. What he's saying is things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. There's another version. There's another version that says, it is impossible that no offenses shall not come to your life. The other version is basically saying, it's impossible for you to go through life and not be hurt. There are times we're going to stumble. People will hurt you. They let us down. They betray us. Jesus said it's going to happen. So what he says is, he says, can we uh, go to the next verse, Xander, please? Better to be, can we go to the next verse? He says, so watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Be aware of it. Now, let me clarify something. He's not saying you go around with a wall put up. He's not saying you go around looking at the worst in people. He's just saying it's going to happen. So watch yourselves. Look what he does. He doesn't say watch them. He says watch yourself. He's saying watch yourself because I'm going to tell you when they hurt you because you're going to get hurt. This is how you respond. He says if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. He says if someone hurts you, Confront them. 
confront them. I have a couple of core values that I run my life by. I've had these values for many, many years. They're personal values. They're not, they're not marriage values. They're not family values. They're my values. And one of my values is run to confrontation. Run to it. That doesn't mean I like confrontation. I hate confrontation, actually. But I'm going to run to it because here's the problem. If I don't address it today, I make it 10,000 times worse while I'm contemplating it in my head. So I run to confrontation. He's saying, if your brother rebuke them, he's saying, if they hurt you, go to them. Don't pretend that it didn't happen. Confront them. Go to them. Here's what you did to me. I'm addressing it with you. Confront them. Deal with it. If we're followers of Christ, we try then to make that situation right. Our goal is always reconciliation. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it. We're going to try to find healing in that situation. And then I hate this part of the verse. It says, once you confront them, if they ask for your forgiveness, forgive them. I hate that. I'm not trying to be funny. I hate that. Because when you do me wrong, I don't want to forgive you. Let me rephrase that. Let me back that up. I used to not want to forgive you because I had an inaccurate view of what forgiveness was. I used to think me forgiving you was for your benefit. I don't care about your benefit. I have learned over the years that forgiving you is for my own sanity. I'm not justifying what you did by forgiving you. I'm not forgetting what you did by forgiving you. I'm not blowing off what you did by forgiving you. I don't even have to be your friend by forgiving you. I'm forgiving you where I can get rid of the bitterness and the anger in my own heart. It says I'm to go to them, and if they ask forgiveness, I forgive them. Then Jesus does what Jesus does. And he takes a whole nother level. Because I'll be honest with you, man. Forgiving someone once, cool. Nine times out of ten, I can do that depending on what you did to me. But then he says, if they sin against you seven times in a day. In a day. Twenty-four hours. Forgive them. I'm good if I'm going to forgive you once in a lifetime. If you're lucky and I love you like I love my children, my wife, you got about three times, depending on the issue. But you want me to forgive you seven times a day? As long as they come to me and say, I'm sorry, I, mean, I struggle with that. I'll give you one time, I'll give you two times. Not in a day now, in a lifetime. The Bible says they come back and they are asking for forgiveness. And they repent. That word repent is very important because it's, it's in sincerity in their apology. Repent means to turn from. They're turning from the action that they did. It's not just miserable words. I'm sorry. What cheap words? My wife educated me on that nine years ago. I'm sorry means nothing if there's no action followed behind it. So he's not saying if they just come and say, I'm sorry. Sorry. No, I repent. I'm sorry. I'm changing from what I did. Disciples heard this. Now listen to me. The disciples, the twelve, the ones that are rolling with Jesus everywhere he goes, the ones who went on to establish churches all over the world, and we're here today because of the churches they started, the ones that went on to write most of the end of this book, 
The ones who didn't learn from a book, they learned directly from the mouths of Jesus. Hear this, and in verse 5 they say, oh, okay, uh, you need to increase our faith then. The disciples look to Jesus. Let me break that down for you in the GLV version, the Gary Lamb version. The disciples said to the Lord, okay. You better make our faith a little stronger. Because if someone wrongs me, it ain't in my instinct to forgive them. If somebody hurts somebody I love, it's not in my instinct to forgive them. And now you're telling me, Jesus, we get it. You're the great teacher. You're the rabbi. We believe you're the savior. You're going to give your life for the world. But now you're telling me I need to forgive them seven times a day? Uh Uh-uh. You better do some faith increasing in our life. Now, you need to understand something here. This is pretty profound. They'd seen this man turn water into wine. They had seen this man heal the sick. They had seen this man take the blind and make them see. Can we move around anymore? Are we good? Why y'all breaking chairs? This ain't wrestling. Well, y'all crappy givers. We got crappy chairs. I'm going to preach on tithing next week, and we're going to get some good chairs. Think about this. They seen Jesus take somebody who was dead and bring him back to life. I like to think if I've seen all those things, whatever that man says, I'm like, gotcha. I believe. He said, you need to forgive seven times in seven days. And like, you need to increase our faith. I know that you raised the dead. I know you made that blind man see. I know that guy who couldn't walk and walk now because you could touch him. That's petty stuff compared to this. You want me to forgive someone seven times in seven days? That's harder than raising someone from the dead. You got to increase our faith. It don't make sense, Jesus. We know, we understand, we don't get it. He says, if your brother or sister sin against you, you go to them. You confront them. If they ask for forgiveness, you give forgiveness. So my question for you today is, who's betrayed you? Who's lied to you? Oh, how about this? Who's lied about you? Who mistreated you? Who took advantage of you? Last week, the small offenses, that was relatively easy. When someone does something one time, they don't invite us to the party and we're upset. They write something on Facebook and we think it's about us. That's easy to get past. It's not so easy when it's a big thing. And it comes from someone that we're close to. Who betrayed you? Who was that person that you trusted, you admired, that you loved dearly, that you always assumed the best in, and they betrayed you? Could have been a roommate you had. They stole something that you had. Could have been a kid in school that bullied you. Could have been someone who's literally run you down all over social media. A boyfriend that lied to you, ended up lying about you. Who hurt you? Could have been a dad. You simply wanted to please, and no matter how hard you tried, it was never good enough. Who hurt you? A spouse that you trusted, you believed in. Who crushed your heart? That friend that was going behind your back, trying to take what was yours. Who hurt you? An authority figure in your life? Someone that you admired? Who hurt you? Someone that should have protected you and instead took advantage of you? Growing up, maybe it was someone touched you inappropriately. 
Maybe it was someone touched you inappropriately and the people that should protect you didn't protect you. Who hurt you? Tense. You know why? Because everybody here has been hurt. Everybody. And everybody here has been hurt by someone close to us. And you can't change the fact that you've been hurt. You have no control over that. But you have all the control over how you respond. Do you respond in forgiveness? Or do you respond in unforgiveness? Who hurt you? Gary, you don't know what they did to me. They did X, Y, Z. Do I really need to forgive that person? They don't deserve my forgiveness. You're right. But again, forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. You're the one still hurt by it. They've justified it. They've explained it. Or they've just simply forgot about it. But you live with it every day. The pop-ups. The pop-ups at the most inappropriate times. Who do you need to forgive? And then how are we supposed to forgive them? Because it sounds real good. Yeah, bless God, I got to forgive them. But how do I forgive them? See, Gary, you don't understand. I I don't. I want to make it clear I don't. I'm not going to try to understand the hurt that you've experienced. But guess what? I'm 46 years old, and I've experienced hurt in my life. I don't want to go into details of all of it, but I've been there. For a long time, I held a lot of unforgiveness recently because in the darkest hours of my life, the person who should have been there for me no matter what, who gave birth to me, wasn't there for me. Anger, bitterness. I didn't stay angry around that person. I just avoided that person. My wife has made me recently in the last year and a half kind of want to confront that and deal with it. And and healing is slowly starting to happen. I've had business dealings where people I trusted, (laughs) people who would never do me wrong, I don't, need a, I don't need something on paper with that guy. That's my boy. We shook hands. Do me wrong. Last year, two people that thought never hurt me betrayed me. I don't need to go into details. My point is, I understand betrayal. And I understand I have two ways I can respond to it. I can stay angry and bitter, only affects me. Or I can learn to have the faith, because it's all about the faith. They said increase our faith to forgive. I've had people hurt my family. I don't know what it is about when someone does something to your kids. Mm. Mm. That's hard to forgive. So how do we forgive? Sometimes, like I said, it's just hard to let go. So what do we do? How do you forgive? Sounds good. Thanks, JC. That sounds great. Seven times in seven days. Woo! Yeah. This is normally when I use this line. Man, that's awesome, but I ain't Jesus. There was only one of him. I'm striving, but I ain't there yet. How do you forgive? How do you forgive when you don't feel like forgiving? This is my move. Oh, that's my move. You know why this series is called Grudge? Because I am the king of the grudge. It's just the way I'm wired. In some ways, it fuels me. 
When I start businesses, I want to be the best. And so I have to make the other people in my industry the enemy, even though they've done nothing wrong to me. I do. I have to I form a grudge against them. I form a I don't go to any other festival in this town. Why? Because they're the enemy. They're really not, but that's what fuels me. I'm the king of holding a grudge. But I do think in the last year to two years, I'm slowly learning some things about it. That like the grudge will literally kill you. It'll kill you physically. It will literally cause health issues, ulcers, anxiety, anger. It'll kill you spiritually. You can't be right with God and carry a grudge. It will kill you relationally. How can you have a healthy relationship when you're carrying a grudge? It will destroy you mentally. Replaying it over and over and over. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I'm a repeat person. So like songs, for example, drives Emily crazy, drives Christine crazy. I find a song that I like. This is not an exaggeration. I will play that one single song on repeat for weeks at a time until the point that I don't ever want to hear the song again. Ever. I was playing a song recently, and Christine said, are we back on that one? I was like, no, just shuffle. She goes, I don't know if I could have went through that one again. But I do that with the grudge. I, oh, let me tell you what I do. Let me tell you what I do. I go replay it. Think about, man, if I had it, had to do it, here's how to respond it. Oh, I hope I run into them again. Because when I run into them again, I'm going to come. Christine will be like, who are you talking to? We'll be driving. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you cussing somebody out in your head right now. I can tell. I do, I just, I'm, I'm literally playing the scenario in my head. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it to be funny. I'm saying that's just the way I'm naturally wired. The grudge. You don't think it affects you mentally? It affects you emotionally. When I'm holding a grudge, how can I be a good husband even if the grudge isn't towards her? My kids know when I'm upset about something, I'm disconnected. It's it's affecting me emotionally. How do you forgive? What if you try to forgive and it doesn't go away? I went and saw a counselor two weeks ago about an issue that I thought I had victory in. For whatever reason, it was coming back. It was getting taken out of my kids and Christine. She said, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what do you mean? I need you to go talk to Tracy. Tracy's our counselor. I said, okay. Went and talked to Tracy. I feel bad for that woman. <laughs> but I left there and haven't struggled with that issue since then. That doesn't mean it won't come back again. Guess what? When it comes back again, I'll go see Tracy again. She gets paid for me to take it out on her. <laughs> I heard this week, I heard this week someone compared unforgiveness or trying to get rid of it like this. They said it's kind of like trying to vacuum up a piece of lint that just won't come up. You ever had that piece of lint in the carpet? You vacuum it. Doesn't come up. I mean, you use the perfect technique. You flip the vacuum over, you clear it out, and that piece of lint's still there. So then you come at it from another angle. You know what I mean? Like you want to pick it up. You can't. So then what do you do? Finally, you do pick it up. And here's what we do. We look at it and put it back on the ground and try to vacuum it up again. Sometimes that's what unforgiveness is like. We want to forgive Moving it, coming at it from this angle, and coming at it from this angle. Looking at it, pick it up. Could throw it away right then and get rid of it. But we don't, we throw it back down and try to, like dislodging it from the fibers did something. So we do unforgettable, we pick it up and just throw it right back down. We don't get victory over it. Man. Sometimes forgiveness is one of those things, man, you go at it from every angle. Every angle. I've had an issue. 
I'm a big believer that you take darkness and you bring it into light. It's a big Christine and I thing. So we have some hard discussions. But there's been issues in our marriage that even though we bring them to light, just because we bring them to light, she can't let go or I can't let go. So how do you do it? How do you forgive? God tells us very clearly how to do it. We're going to break that down today. And I used to always preach on forgiveness and give four steps. Now, I've realized those four steps are vital. I'm not even going to give them today. But I've realized there's one key to it all before I get to those four steps. The Bible says this in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I hate this verse with everything that is in me. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Ephesians 5, 432 says, be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And I hate this part. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. He's saying, who are you not to forgive somebody when Christ forgave you? Matthew 6, 14, verse 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's some powerful verses. Let me sum up those three verses for you. God's saying we need to forgive. If we're to forgive, what does it mean? What what do we need to do? How do we do it? Gary, I want to forgive. How do I do it? We've got to understand what forgiveness is. In order to understand what it is, we've got to understand what it's not. Because I am convinced this is the number one thing on why people can't forgive, because they have a misconception of what forgiveness is. We think if we forgive, we're justifying. We think if we forgive, we're excusing what they did to us. We think if we forgive, we're saying it's okay that you did that to us. I could go on and on and on, but I'm going to give you a couple. Uh, forgiveness is not forgetting. This is key. This is the reason why so many people won't forgive. I'm not forgiving. You think I'm going to forgive this person, this husband of mine who did all these things to me? You think I'm going to forgive this wife? You think I'm going to forgive this person who did this to my kids and violated my trust? You think I'm going to forgive the person who ripped me off a business and affected my family? You think I'm going to forget that? I didn't say forget it. I said forgive it. Forgiving is not forgetting. To forgive doesn't mean you wipe your brain clear of it. It doesn't mean you don't have any memory of it. It doesn't mean you don't have any recollection of it. It's not saying... Because I forgive you, this never happened. It's not saying I'm sweeping it under the rug. It's not saying that the person who hurt you wasn't completely, utterly, absolutely, 100% in the wrong. It's not saying that. It's not saying that you have to be a doormat to that person the rest of your life. It's not saying you have to allow that person to continue to abuse you. What's the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I can forgive you and not stay with you. Doesn't mean I just got to smile and take it. I forgive them. Doesn't mean I have to send them Christmas cards. Doesn't mean I have to heart emoji everything that they write or post on Instagram. (laughs) Don't miss this. It doesn't even mean they have to be part of my life. You can forgive somebody and still have very clear, strict boundaries with that person. Your boundary might be that they're no longer part of your life. Your boundary might be they are part of your life, but instead of it, you're part of your life here, they're part of your life here. That's the beautiful thing about your life. You owe nobody anything. Let me make this very clear to you. You owe your parents nothing. Let me tell you what the Bible says you owe them. You ready? Honor. I can honor you and still not have you part of my life. I can honor you and have boundaries with you. Because just because you're my parents does not mean you were good parents. 
This is hard sometimes. It's the same thing with your children. Sometimes you've got to have boundaries with your children, especially once they become grown. It's a little hard when they're young. You've got to keep them around where you can beat them and whip them in shape, train them up in the way they should go when they're old, they'll not depart from it. But I'm going to have boundaries with you. You can forgive someone and say, I've let it go, but you will no longer be part of my life. You can forgive someone, but just because I forgive you doesn't mean it's not going to take time for us to rebuild the trust that we once had. I can forgive you, keep you in my life, but you need to understand something. It will never be the same again. That's the beautiful thing about your boundaries. I always say I'm going to get my wife one day to teach a message on boundaries. She's, she's phenomenal at boundaries. Phenomenal at it. The best I've ever seen at it, actually. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Another thing, forgiveness oh, this one, is not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. There's nothing fair at all about forgiveness. I'm just going to let you off for no reason, and everything you did wrong to me is now gone. It's not natural. It's not fair. They hurt you. The flesh and the natural says they deserve to be punished. There's nothing fair about forgiveness. It's fair to pay them back. You hit me, it's fair that you got one coming back to you. You hurt my children, it's fair that I'm going to do something back to you. But Jesus says, pray for our enemies. That's not fair. Okay. I'll pray for them. Pray they get hemorrhoids in their ears. Is that a thing? Can you do that? I don't know. But I'm going to pray it. I'll pray for them. Doesn't tell me how I've got to pray for them. Why you go to a doctor for medical advice and not your pastor? It's not fair. Forgiveness isn't fair. Get it out of your head. It's not fair that the person who hurts you, no one else knows and they're still respected in the community. It's not fair that the person who hurts you, you perceive that they get to live their life like nothing happened. I had a person hurt me about a year ago. I met that person face to face. Why? Because the Bible says you're supposed to. He was scared to meet me. I met him in front of the police station. It was the only place he'd meet me. And I looked in his face and I told him, I said, I will destroy you. I need you to understand something. I will spend the rest of my life, because I was still angry. It was about three days after he hurt me. I said a lot of things to that person. It's a year later, almost a year later. I don't know how long, 10 months later, whatever. I like to think I've grown in that area. I've been in the counselor about this person. But there's times, there's times. I get a whiff of this person. Someone will say something about this person because they don't know anything or I'll run into this person. And I'm like, man, they get to live their life. And everyone thinks they're great. And my flesh starts to swell up. And I get angry. And I remind myself it's not fair because it's funny. I think I won't fare. Until I step back and think, I sure am glad God's not fair with me. <laughs> I think I won't fare when it comes to what they did to me. But I don't want fare when it comes to what I've done to others. God's not a fair God. If God was fair... We'd all be promised the devil's hell. God's not a fair God. He's a just God. There's a huge difference between just and fair. Fair. It's not fair that that husband and wife have been trying for years to have a child and they can't, but the little crackhead over here can have five of them, even though four of them have been taken away from her. It's not a fair God. He's a just God. 
He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us all what we need. Grace. Forgiveness. He's always just, but he's not fair. Look what it says in Psalms 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Good God Almighty. That's preaching. Aren't you glad today he doesn't treat you the way your sins deserve to be treated? He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Ain't it funny? We want them to pay. We want them to suffer. But we want grace. We want you to understand I was going through a hard time. I was in a bad place. Mine's due to circumstances. There was due to character. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. He's a just God, not a fair God. Forgiveness is not fair. You need to accept that. It's not fair that your spouse can run around on you and you offer them forgiveness. It's not fair that someone can rip you off in business and you offer them forgiveness. But he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. See, what the Bible's saying there is you and I, we deserve death. We deserve hell. That's not very popular preaching anymore. We live in a day and time where we have preachers who just want to tell jokes and make everyone think that they're sinless and everything's okay. Those aren't sins, they're just mistakes. No, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for the wages of sin, who sinners? We're sin. The wages of sin, there's a payment for our sin, is death. But, thank God for buts, but the gift of God is eternal life. My ex-husband was a, well, and you were a blah, blah, blah. Takes two to tango, baby. Man, we deserve death. We deserve punishment. God gives us grace. For high as the heavens are above the earth, as far as the east is from the west. Man. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't fair. So let's get to the message, what is forgiveness? <laughs> I hate this. Because i got to put it into play. I thought about it nonstop, trying to word it the right way. Because like I said, I've always given you four steps to forgiveness. I'm not doing that today. I'm going to give you a foundation before you can get to those four steps. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave us. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave us. Forgiveness is offering other people the same grace that God offered us. For those of you that are Christ followers, you ever been forgiven of anything? Yeah, we could talk all day long. You ever experienced grace that you didn't deserve? Have you ever been the beneficiary of the mercy and the goodness of God? Oh, by the way, if you're here today, you have. Some of you should be dead. Some of you shouldn't have the honor. Listen, I'm going to hurt your feelings. If life was fair, some of you shouldn't have the honor of having your family sit next to you today. And they are. That's the goodness of God. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of you are perfect. If you're, just, if you're perfect, just sit there and be self-righteous and have that look that self-righteous people have because you're good. But if you are perfect, don't come back because this place is for the imperfect. <laughs> imperfect people. We do forgiven people. Not perfect people. 
when we first started the church, I had this sign and it said, no perfect people allowed. <laughs> and Kylie Blankenship's mom was on Facebook. She, she didn't know me then. She loves me now, sort of. And his aunt went ham on me on Facebook. I guess Jesus wouldn't be allowed in your church if no perfect people are there. And I'm all panicky. I don't know Kylie that good then, but I knew we needed a drummer. If I'm trying to smooth it out, hoping the drummer don't leave. I didn't really care if he left. I didn't know him that well. Now I'd care. I'm his friend. But then I was like, man. He came in that. He said, man, sorry about my mom and aunt. They're crazy. Jesus is allowed here, but imperfect people been here good. I don't know what it is you've been forgiven of. But man, I have been forgiven of some sins in my life. I'm the last person that ought to be standing here today. Stealing, lying, cheating, just being an overall a-hole, pride, meanness, arrogance, crookedness. I've ripped people off. I've betrayed people's trust. Yet God forgives. So who am I not to forgive? I've experienced grace that I did not deserve. Let me repeat that. Let me change that. I receive grace every single day that I don't deserve. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave us. Man, the Bible says this in 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just to forgive us of our sins and purify us. I get it's not a popular thing to use the word sin in today's church. I defend people. But the fact is we're all sinners. Every one of us have messed up. And here's the funny thing about sin. You don't got to be taught to sin. We're born sinners. Well, I no, 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 we're taught. No, we're born sinners. You got that little newborn baby? Ain't nothing wrong with that baby. That baby ain't hungry. It just got off the boob. That baby ain't got a dirty diaper. You just changed it. Yet it's crying and screaming. Because it knows it can manipulate you to pick it up. Little sinning things. We don't got to teach a kid. My kid, he's old enough to talk. Luke, did you do this? No. I just saw you do it. We're born sinners. We've all messed up. So I don't know that I agree with that. What is sin? In the original language, it's actually an archery term. Sin, simply broken down in the original language, it just means to miss the mark. Some of us miss the mark big time. Some of us get real, real close. We went axe throwing recently. Throw that axe. I hit the target. I'm looking. I get right up on it because I'm competitive like that. I said, you can hit that target. I can tell I hit it. I said, no, you're 20 feet back. Get up here and look. You don't get them 20 points. You're one millimeter off that target. Well, I got close. This ain't hand grenades, baby. It's axe throwing. You get 10 points, not 20. We've all missed the mark. We've all screwed up. But you know what? God says, if you confess that before God, we ask his forgiveness. He forgives us. Over and over and over and over and over and over. Put that point back up, Xander. Forgiveness is giving others what God gave us. The gospel, oh, don't, man, I had this thought this week. I, some theologian's going to argue with me, but I thought it was good. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't just about receiving forgiveness. It's about us giving forgiveness. It's not just being the recipient of grace. It's giving grace to others. I call it learning and returning. 
as I learn the goodness of God, I want to live out the goodness of God. When I realize what God has given me, I want others to get that from me. But Gary, you don't know what they did to me. Right, but you see what we did to others. I get it doesn't hit us home because it was you giving it and not doing it. But we got to, we give it. We get it. We need to give it. It's hard. Man, it's giving its grace to others. Forgiveness flows into us and it flows out. You want to show me how someone's walk with God is? Watch how they forgive. And again, that doesn't mean they're passive. That doesn't mean they're weak. It doesn't mean they're just, I'm not going over again. They're not justifying. They're not forgetting. They're just saying, man, I'm not holding on to that anymore. It doesn't benefit me to hold on to that. I had someone come up to me after the service last week, and they said, what are you going to do about her coming to church here? That I ain't gonna do anything about her coming to church here. This is my church. I said, You're right. So glad you're here. Well, I don't know that I can be back if she's here. Then I said, I guess it ain't your church, it's her church. And then I looked at him and said, Before you walk away mad, if the roles were reversed, I'd tell her the same thing. It's freaking church. I looked at him and I said, Y'all got a kid together. I said, I've learned that you can go to about 18 and separate it all. One day that little girl's going to get married. She ain't holding two birthday parties. She ain't going to give birth twice where you can be there at one time and mom can be there at another. I looked at him and said, I love you, man. You got to figure it out. And I get that it's hard. You don't know. I said, I don't care. I don't care. You've been forgiven. And that reminded me, I said, I've been your pastor for a long time. I know you ain't innocent. Got to give that grace. How's our flow? I love the Lord's prayer, man. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Present heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How's our flow? As we're being forgiven, it flows out of us and we forgive others. Promise we don't want to pray that. Or we want to pray it and not live it. Boy, thank the epitome of the Christian faith. A lot of talk, a little bit of action. Do we want, let me ask you this. Do we really want God to forgive us like we forgive others? Mm-mm. Forgive me as I forgive my boss that I hate. Forgive me as I forgive my ex who I just stuck thumbtacks under her tires. How's your flow? I thought about this. I'm going to be done. Why would God ask us to forgive? I thought about it. There's a lot of reasons why God wants us to forgive. But it ultimately came down to this. God wants us to forgive because God loves you so much. He loves you so much. He doesn't just ask you to forgive someone else to heal the other person. He loves you so much that he wants to heal you. He wants you to be emotionally strong. He wants you to be spiritually strong. He wants you to be physically strong, mentally strong, emotionally strong. And he knows that when you're fueled with bitterness, anger, rage... That you're not living the life you were created for. 
Lou came up to me after service last week. He said, man, if you knew me three years ago, it was everything you talked about today. I got to be honest with you. I can't really picture that, Lou. I've only known him for about two years. Every time I'm around him, he's laughing, cutting up. He's a smart aleck. Seems to like life. I can't picture angry, bitter Lou. Lou, you a lot happier now? A lot more peace now? A lot more contentment now? Connie not trying to kill you in your sleep now? Man. (laughs) Forgiving someone who hurts you is the gift to you. You know how nice it is to go into the gas station now that I knew the person that hurt me used to go to and not worrying about whether I run into them. And not because I was worried about running into them for me, because I was worried about running into them for them. Because I played that scenario in my head. Remember I told you I'd do that? I had a whole scenario where I bashed his head up against the counter and threw him through the window. Yeah. And then in my head, I had convinced myself that when the police came, I was like, hey, man, I'm Gary, the pastor of action. It was an accident. And they're like, oh, Gary, thanks for all you do for the homeless, man. Get out of here. No big deal. That's how I played out of my head. Man. Forgiving the other person doesn't always set them free. But it always sets you free. Always. But you know the great thing about them? You're not responsible for them. The Bible says every man must give an account of himself. You're not responsible for the consequences they face, the peace they face, the actions that they go through. I'm just responsible for me. I'll be real honest with you. I could find out today that person died in his sleep last night, and I wouldn't care. Just being honest. Just being honest. I don't care if that person ever has peace. I didn't forgive them for them. I forgave them for me. I forgave them for my family. I forgave them for my peace of mind. I forgave them where I could still have friends and not be a total jerk around my friends because I was so angry at that person. Forgiveness was for me. God wants us to forgive because he loves us so much. Man, I prayed about this because I know it brings up a lot of hard things. And there's no part of this that's easy to hear. Because hurt hurts. It sucks to be hurt. Especially by someone you love, someone you trusted, someone you called a friend. But you've got to give yourself that peace. You've got to forgive. So how do we do it? Well, the first thing, and this is all on one point today. Forgiveness takes Increase our faith, Lord. You want us to do what? That takes faith. Increase our faith. God, I can't see the outcome of this. God, it's not going down the way I want it to go down. But I have faith that you're in control. I have the faith. That you know best. You know what I've learned? It's really easy for me to have faith in God when things are going my way. When we track it on the same program, me and God. God wants me to do something I don't like. I ain't got the faith. Not God. Let's talk about that. Forgiveness takes faith. It takes faith to forgive. <laughs> faith enables me to see an opportunity for freedom. <laughs> faith enables me to see it for me to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an opportunity for offense. They hurt me. I'm going to be offended. They hurt me. I'm going to have the faith to forgive where I can give myself freedom. See, you can allow someone to hurt you once or you can hold on to unforgiveness and you can allow them to hurt you over and over and over and over again, even if you're never around them again. 
because you live in the hurt. My wife and I have people in our life, and they live in the hurt of 30 years ago. They live in the hurt of 25 years ago. You can't even have a normal conversation with them without them talking about the hurt of, you know what they did? Yeah, 25, shut up. Forgiveness takes faith. We're not asking how much forgiveness do they deserve. (laughs) Don't miss this. You're not asking how much forgiveness they deserve. You're asking how much freedom do you desire. How many times do I forgive them? How much forgiveness they deserve? How much freedom do you desire? Man, I love living in freedom. Knowing that someone else has control over me because I can't let go. How weak is that? I refuse. Now, it's been a battle. It's been the hardest battle of my life to learn to forgive. Learn to forgive my mother. Learn to forgive people who've done me wrong in business, people that have hurt me. But why hold on to that? That's losing at life. Some of you are literally letting your life, you got one shot at life. I'm 46 and I think all the time about how limited my time is on this earth. Some of you got less than 10 years left, 20 years left, and you can't even be happy in life because somebody hurt you. I'm sorry you were hurt. I don't say that flippantly. I'm not saying it mockingly. I'm so sorry you were hurt. But you've been letting them now hurt you for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, 12 months. Put your faith in play. By faith, I choose to let it go. By faith, I refuse to be a victim. By faith, I refuse to be a prisoner. By faith, I choose to forgive. The pain sucks. Do you know something I've learned about pain? So many times your best life is on the other side of pain. My wife and I have inflicted some pain on each other in nine years. We have been, we've been married nine years. We've been in counseling for nine years. Not because we're old, but we decided early on we weren't just going to go to counseling when things were bad. We weren't going to treat our marriage like so many of you treat your car. Wait till it's broke down and take it to the mechanic. We're going to follow those gauges Get in there and get that tune-up. But our marriage is better because of the pain. The pain sucked. Do you know they say, this is mind-boggling to me, they say when you break a bone, that if it's taken intended to properly, that it will actually grow back stronger than it was before. They say when you're because you can tell I'm a gardener. They say you have to prune back rose bushes and stuff like that for them to grow back stronger. Sometimes freedom was on the other side of pain. Nobody wants to go through the pain, but when the pain happens, embrace the suck. Learn from the suck. Forgive from the suck and rebuild your life. Oh, by the way, because I don't want anybody to hear something and misinterpret what I'm saying. Some of you are with some people and you need to forgive them. But I didn't say you need to stay with them. Pin drop. 
Because here's what's going to happen. The person who hurts you is going to go home and manipulate you today. Preacher said, you need to forgive me. I did. But I'll forget all the things I told you what forgiveness wasn't. Forgiveness doesn't always mean staying. Now, hear me out too on the other side of that. It might mean staying. If you feel there's true repentance, what's repentance? Change in action. And if you think I'm talking about you, I probably am. Forgiveness doesn't change the past. Doesn't change what they did. Doesn't change what they said. Doesn't change the betrayal. Forgiveness simply changes your soul. It changes your future. It's giving others the very same thing God gave us. So God, increase our faith because forgiveness is all about faith. I'm trusting God. We're stepping out in faith in this area of our life. What does that mean? It means I can't see the future. But we're trusting in faith. I'm stepping out in faith and forgiveness. I don't know the outcome. I don't know if God is going to punish the person like I think he should. It don't matter. I'm stepping out of faith. We delight when the people wrong us. We say we don't. Our ex-spouse gets into a bad marriage. We kind of... <laughs> I ain't so bad now. You know, I used to have that mindset, then I realized, you know what? My ex raises my kids. And if she's in a bad relationship, that affects my kids. Hope she has great relationships. Because I want my kids loved. Man, it's amazing when you offer forgiveness. I don't delight in the pain of others anymore. Well, 99.9% of others. I ain't, I'm not completely there yet. Let's pray.